We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. If transition is the operative word for the automotive industry these days, one automaker is among the leaders and it's carving a unique path. Kia, along with its U.S. division, isn't standing still, despite the many challenges laid out before it. No, the Southern Korean OEM is busy tackling workforce issues and its partnership with educators while launching a variety of mobility solutions. That's the word from Stuart Countess, president and CEO of Kia Georgia. Countess knows the post-COVID world must include work-from-home options while OEMs still keep the trains running on time at the factory floor. Attracting the manufacturing workforce of tomorrow, though, means Kia and its brethren must do a better job of reaching students as well as their parents to explain the strong earning potential available in an automotive career. With an industry evolving as quickly as auto is, though, waiting two or three years for technical colleges to develop programs won't work. Instead, manufacturers need a seat at the table today while providing multiple pathways for future employees. Countess also touches on Kia's Plan S, from EVs to fuel cells to people movers to air mobility, Kia's strategy of meeting the customer where they are allows for a much more interesting and varied future. It's certainly off to a fast start with the company's EV6 earning the 2023 North American Utility Vehicle of the Year. This path ahead may be windy, but it sure looks interesting. Stuart Countess joins me alongside co-host Bill Newman of SAP on this week's episode of Automotive Insiders. Stuart, it's a pleasure to have you on Automotive Insiders. Thank you for being on the program. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And Bill Newman, my co-host on a regular basis, it is great to have you back uh, as well, Bill. How are you? I'm great, Jason. Good to be with you and great to welcome in uh, Stuart today. Wonderful. So, Stuart, let's begin with you. It's obvious the automotive industry is in a very transitional period Kia also uh, is a big part of that, and um, and I I know that there's a myriad of topics that we could get into, but let's just start with your overall view of the industry right now, and just uh, give us a sense of um, of where things are as we uh, go through now Q2 of 2023. Well, certainly there's been a lot of discussion um, in the last number of years, actually, about moving from internal combustion engines to the EV sector. Um, it's taken some different periods um, from what we can see. And what I mean by that is you've seen a lot of different strategies that have been um, discussed and are being implemented from one OEM to the other. Uh, on one end of the spectrum, you have some OEMs going full in, all BEV, whereas others are taking a um, more caution approach to where they're moving from ICE to EV over a period of time and probably introducing a variety of other technologies. Um, it's, inter- it's going to be interesting really to see how each one does. Uh, there certainly are some reasons why each one are doing it. Um, and so those, I think, are probably things that we'll discuss even later on. It's also interesting in the way the semiconductor shortage uh, problem has continued to plague the industry. Uh, along with the rest of the world, uh, we still face concerns with this. Um, and when you think about moving to uh, battery electric vehicles, of course, there's going to be a higher demand for those said components. Um, and it's going to also require some different solutions on uh, OEMs and how you handle this. 
And lastly, I'd say just the impacts of the COVID-19 um, continue to play a lot of us. Um, we've settled out a little bit uh, through 2023, starting to see the industry begin to turn around. But yet it has put a lot of challenges that were most likely coming in the latter part of this decade. It brought them forward and has really caused us to rethink how our industry and business should operate. Yeah, I think, Stuart, you touch on some really salient topics there. I, I, I'd probably double-click on a few things. So, obviously, the the EV transition, and again, to your point, I think that uh, Kia, along with all of its other uh, brand competitors, are assessing what their role and play is uh, fit to market, uh, fit to purpose in terms of portfolio. Uh, obviously, some big drivers with uh, EU and uh, California Air Resources Board driving a lot of those market forces um, from a policy perspective, uh, I would say that that talent continues to be an issue, particularly in North America, um, and where to find that talent, and and frankly, how do we keep really great um, jobs, you know, skilled labor, tech, uh, engineering jobs here in um, some of our regional markets, particularly in the United States, and not oddly lose them to Mexico for a lack of access. Um, I think that recently the state of Michigan and their decision for right to work will have a secondary impact to that, particularly as we look at Kia Georgia operations and other so-called uh, uh, battery beltway uh, and uh, um, uh, electrification valley. I think those are a couple of the expressions that we've heard and kind of the what's going on in the south, not only in Georgia, but in the Carolinas and Tennessee and elsewhere. So I think it's going to be interesting to shape up. Uh, how some of those um, interregional um, dynamics work as it as it relates to capacity and labor talent. Bill, let yeah, me. Definitely. Sorry, go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. I, mean, I think you know this workforce is really kind of one of the biggest topics of concerns at various meetings um, that we've been involved in, and certainly is a nationwide topic. Um, it's. It's one in which it is about attracting and retaining talent. Um, there's a different demand out there for what a job expectation um, is viewed, but also what people are expecting for their future growth. Um, I'm not seeing yet a solution of how to solve this um, as people are trying very different things, but uh, I hope that with the way the product, at least in the automotive industry, is transitioning, um, that there's a lot of attractive factors that can bring that talent to the fields uh, for us. Um, but it remains to be seen, you know, how that's going to work out. Bill actually hit on an important point. The mobility solutions of tomorrow are really going to require a different set of skills. Stuart, can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, what we've again, to kind of really realized in the last three years is the expectation from what an individual wants from a job um, is very different than it was pre-COVID. Um, you can go, certainly go back further than that. As companies, we have to start thinking about how uh, we're operating our business. Do you run a shift rotation pattern or do you run a shift, uh, set shift pattern? What are your work from home options? Um, these all bring about different concerns because as you can get into work from home, you've also got to think about what your future leadership looks like and how you're going to identify those leaders uh, for tomorrow. Um, 
we continue to expand those topics, at least internally uh, in ourselves, but we also have to realize that we're a manufacturing company, meaning we make a product every single day, and it requires uh, support organizations to do, in our case, the process of building a car. What we can't do is sit on the sidelines any longer when it becomes um, a discussion with the educational system. If we're really going to be active in the educational arena and talk about what a career can look like, and I'll emphasize the word career, we're not talking about jobs, but a career of what you can do, you have to be at the table talking to educators because our industry is changing so fast right now that it's difficult even for us to keep up, but for the educational bureaucracy, it can become much more difficult. Um, and that just simply means we're more nimble. So how do we work together to find solutions that can bring those uh, potential uh, students to the table and understand our needs for the future and what their potential career opportunities might be? You know, locally, that means that, and statewide, that's just saying that manufacturing needs a seat at the table. And what better seat than to be there and say, here's what I see coming in the next two years or five years. And we not, haven't always done a very good job of that. You can also go in and add that we're not doing a very good job at selling what those opportunities are, not only to the students that are um, going to potentially be our employees, but also to the parents. We have to do a better job at explaining what a career looks like and what those uh, earning potentials for a career can look like. They're not always understood as much as we think they are. Um, so how do we how do we step in front of that? A lot of that goes into what we talked about uh, talk about here about cultivating a workforce um, because you have to look at where your workforce has kind of come from in the next 10, 20, 30 years. And in many of those cases, those individuals are sitting in the classrooms today. So it means that business has to get involved in various educational programs that support not only manufacturing, but maybe your specific industry, and not only financially support those programs, but with people into the classrooms, um, helping to coach and teach those characteristics that we think are essential for our future. There's great programs out there, and there's many of them. The SAE World in Motion program is something we've been involved, involved in for a number of years and put a lot of money into. It's giving hands-on experiences uh, versus, you know, always the traditional book learning. There's programs, one we're involved in called Green Power USA, where, again, it's taking something that's, you know, near and dear to our heart and giving uh, young minds an a, um, opportunity to be creative problem solve, work in teams, but all of these from our viewpoint are necessary if we're going to go forward. Lastly, I'd say if you, if you take those kind of concepts, you start working with your partners within your state and your local area. So in the state of Georgia, we work with the Technical College System of Georgia. We work with one of their departments that helps develop workforce, which is Quick Start, and utilizing their expertise you can help to develop these programs and certification type degrees that can, again, promote an individual's career that they may or may not have been aware of um, through other avenues of information. Yeah, I, 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 just, 
Yeah, so I mean, uh, Stuart, Stuart touches on something kind of near and dear to my heart, too, as a former higher education educator. I mean, you know, we, we were together at the University of Georgia, beautiful campus during their spring break, and we, we spoke on this, and we had leaders um, uh, both from the MEMA original equipment, and uh, I'll give a shout out to Rick Walker from the Georgia Automotive Manufacturers Association, who touched on these key points. You know, Stuart, you know, I, I echo and I feel I feel the pain as a former higher education uh, professional, because when we catch those kind of big ideas from industry, we're taking two, three years to try to programize them in a more traditional. Here's how I offer it. I'm thinking of, for example, the Northwood uh, University uh, program around aftermarket, for example. I did some work with Northwood in the past. You know, that's a two to three year big program. We're going to bring people in. We're going to educate them. We're going to degree them. We have to be, I think, a little bit more nimble moving forward. I know at SAP, we do a lot of work with open online classroom training, which is completely free. And so you can you can consume uh, actual specific skills and at a certified level and build on those to create your own learning pathway as it relates to the future workforce. 100% agreed. You know, we have to be talking right now to, to, to the students at the junior high and middle school level right now, right? They're, and in some cases at the elementary uh, school level to engage them in STEAM, not just not just the, the hard technical, but also in art and design, um, as well as, as you mentioned, Stuart, to engage with their parents, to make sure that they understand that it's, that it's a vibrant, uh, well-earned, um, satisfying and rewarding career in our industry and in adjacent industries that perhaps there's been a bit of a stigma associated with over the past, say, 10, 20 years. Stuart, your thoughts on Bill's yeah. comments? Well, yeah, to add to you, I think you know, clearly we have to recognize that there's not a single pathway anymore. There's multiple pathways. Um, as a parent, I think we all certainly, we all want the best for our children, but that best can mean a lot of different things. Is it uh, an individual who wants to go to a four-year school or a two-year school, or maybe just wants to get in and get some work experience? You have to go into it with an open mindset because there is no one solution fits all anymore. Um, and that's, that's based on conversations that we've seen internally but conversations externally with other students where you might be trying to recruit them to get into a two-year or four-year school and they pull you off to the side and say, well, I might not really know what I want to do. Is there a pathway that I can come work for you? And then you help me get into a two-year or four-year college. And the answer to that is yes. That's the message that we're missing. Um, from everything that we've seen and talking to other people in industry, we, we've got to change the way we think about this. We have exciting career pathways, but you have to provide a way for an individual to get there. And it's not, again, a one solution fits all. Wonderful. Stuart, a uh, final thought, uh, if we could, let's just talk a little bit about Plan S, which is Kia's roadmap for navigating the next decade or so as we shift away from the traditional OEM. Give us a little snapshot of that, if you could. So Plan S was released by Kia a few years ago. Um, Plan S is the roadmap for where we as a company are going. 
Um, it's not only about battery electric vehicles, it's about mobility solutions of the future, meeting the customer where they are. The solution for someone in West Point, Georgia is very different than it is for a person in Atlanta, Georgia. So how do we find a match for you and give you that customer-centric approach that meets your needs? And your needs may change later, but today, here is what your need is. In support of that, um, Kia you know, has announced that it will uh, have at least five EVs in U.S. dealerships by 2025 with a new EV launching in the U.S. each year through 2028. So it's a very aggressive from that point of view. Um, and those vehicles can range in, from small size to large size. Uh, what is allowing us to do that is being uh, building the car on our electric global modular platform. Uh, it's one that's tuned to giving a lot of driving performance, interior space, and a lot of the technical safety-related features that uh, every consumer uh, wishes to have on a particular vehicle. Um, we're in a really good place uh, as far as that's moving right now. We've launched the EV6. Uh, there's more uh, electric vehicle products that are coming. But I'll highlight the other side of that. It can be another um, alternative fuel, uh, fuel cells. Um, it could be urban air mobility. It's people movers. So there's a lot of concepts that are going to be um, available, but they're going to be suited to the market and the consumer uh, where they where they sit. Probably the one single challenge as a nation that we face still is about our infrastructure and how to build it out. And we know we have a problem that we have to change the consumer's mind instead of pulling into that gas station and you fill your car up in about eight to ten minutes. Now it's going to take a little bit of different mindset. Uh, we've got to make them more available so that that eases that um, anxiety that consumer has. So there's a lot of education on the backside of that. The last thing I'd say is that I think, you know, certainly in the state of Georgia, it's uh, been very proactive in supporting this changing automotive landscape. Uh, Governor Kemp announced uh, a couple years ago this Electric Mobility Innovation Alliance. Um, I think it's a very uh, great forward-looking uh, program where it's looking at multiple aspects of this um, transition period, but more importantly, planning for the future of how Georgia will be successful and be seen as a leader. Wonderful. Bill Newman, final thoughts to you. No, I'm just, uh, again, thanks to Stuart for joining us today. I mean, I think it's super impressive what Kia is doing more, not, not just in terms of its platform release, but its uh, overall product direction and this whole concept of purpose-built vehicle, whether it's uh, it's people, it's things, it's it's terrestrial, it's air mobility. And uh, I look forward to their leadership in, in all of these fronts moving forward. Same here. Bill Newman, thank you so much for joining me. Stuart, thanks to you as well. Thank you. Appreciate the conversation. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Stuart Countess, President and CEO of Kia Georgia. And thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. 